It's time to catalog minor catastrophes, tell our real life terrors, and manifest some mayhem. That's right. Let's crack open the anxiety encyclopedia. I'm Catherine McNally. I'm Laurie McGill. Hello, hello. We're going to talk about UFOs today or (laughs) UAPs, unexplained aerial phenomena. Uh, Specifically, like, are they full of aliens? You know, um, there's an overwhelming amount of information on UFOs. So let me know if I missed. This is going to be like a three hour podcast. I was going to say, I'm going to try really hard not to slender man you and <laughs> everyone. Let's let me know it. if I left out your favorite UFO story. Cause there's an abundance, right? We're not going to do this. This podcast could become a UFO podcast. <laughs> we're not going to do that, but we're just going to talk about it a little bit. So I want to know, first of all, what are your thoughts on aliens, extraterrestrial activity? Oh, good. Let's start off with me making people not like me once again. Um, what? No. I mean, like, sometimes I watch the Unsolved Mystery Show and they're like, there's will be like one episode about aliens. And it's like, hmm, I wonder what that really is. Like, do I think that there are alien, like other life forms out there? Yes. Do I think there are little green men who are interested in our planet? No. I think that's fair. We're so self-centered. Yeah. It's I mean, not I all think, about us, guys. I think that's true on both ends. I think who knows what's out there. You know, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, uh, that are dream- dreamt of in your philosophies. But who knows? I don't think they're hanging out here yet. And if they are, it's all over. So, <laughs> Or they haven't done anything yet and it's fine. So what does it matter? Right? True. Did you watch E.T. when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Terrifying. I feel like we were the E.T. generation. You were afraid of E.T. when you were a kid? He's Fuck a yeah. benevolent alien. that guy? But he's, he's creepy. He's just like a hairless cat. Actually, honestly, yeah, he kind of looks like one. I don't know. Like, I like a lot of our childhood movies, like, I liked, but I was also terrified of. Like, the Goonies. That's I loved the Goonies. Terrified of those people putting Chunk's hand into a blender. Well, like, so here's... I actually didn't. I watched a lot of movies, but kind of missed some of the major ones. I never saw Goonies. I didn't see Home Alone or Hocus Pocus till I was an adult. And let me tell you, that doesn't work. You have to see those as a child. Home Alone Goonies, was okay. I think, I think okay. you can watch Goonies. Okay, I'll have to watch Goonies. But I definitely watched E.T. And then I watched, you know, Princess Bride. The rodents of unusual mm. size were pretty scary. Now you're like, that's just like a giant puppet. But in as that's a child, when you're a kid. scary. Uh, Indiana Jones, when the faces melt off. Terrifying. When he rips the heart out of that guy. Oh my gosh, yeah. Do you know E.T. revitalized Reese's pieces? They were going to, I've never said Reese's that way before. I regret saying it that way now. <laughs> they were, they were like going out of business. So they were cheaper for the movie to put oh, in. Wow. And then everybody wanted to eat Reese's Pieces. And now they persist 30 years later because of E.T. So there you go. That's amazing. This is not a E.T. trivia Brought podcast. to you by <laughs> Reese's Pieces. That would be an amazing sponsorship. Use our code. <laughs> Use code anxiety. anxiety to get- <laughs> at the Walgreens. Where are we selling these Reese's Pieces? <laughs> Just on our website. <laughs> um, but humans are fascinated with aliens obviously and it is weird right it feeds into fear of the unknown like the ocean like space like the idea that you could spontaneously combust there's just like the bermuda triangle which we all know Mm -hmm. aliens are responsible for that there's just a lot of anxiety around things we don't understand things we can't control the idea that there might be hyper intelligent life forces for good or ill and we don't know 
Uh, so the United States Air Force, which is responsible for a lot of the government research into aliens, but not mm-hmm. aliens, sorry, UAPs. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly we devolve into conspiracies. <laughs> UFOs as aerial phenomenon whose cause cannot be easily or immediately identified by the observer, right? So we there's a lot of UFO is a really blanket term. Uh, the Air Force coined the term in 1952, and they initially defined UFOs as those objects that remain unidentified, unidentified after scrutiny by expert investigators. But today we really do use UFO colloquially to mean any unidentifiable sightings, whether you figure out what it is or not. I feel like it's really been in the news recently. So that's why I've been Mm -hmm. anxious about it recently. Right. So remember in February of this year, we shot down that Chinese spy balloon. And then in the two weeks after that, we shot down three more things in American airspace, like in rapid succession. And I don't know if our things always floating in our airspace and we just weren't paying that much attention. And then suddenly we were hyper because of the Chinese spy balloon. Um, And then just to add to like the questions, just, you know, government people non-answering questions in a way that causes chaos, right? So after those things were shot down, the Air Force General who oversees the North American airspace, his name is General Glenn Van Herc. Someone asked him, have you ruled out extraterrestrial origin? And he said, which is is a very political answer. He said, I'll let the intel community and the counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything. At this point, we continue to assess every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America with an attempt to identify it. So he, of course, people were like, the Air Force Uh, General thinks it's aliens. He thinks it's aliens. (laughs) Aliens are out there. (laughs) Extremely cagey. (laughs) Later, other military officials were like, okay, aliens are not serious considerations. He was just being, he was bending over backwards to not say anything definitive, right? But he did it in such a way that people were like, aliens! And we're going to see that's actually kind of a recurrent problem in the way that we think that like American culture latches on to UFOs. Oh, I am also only talking about United States obsession with UFOs. Um, I don't know if you remember in April, the Pentagon released a video from last year of a UFO flying over a conflict zone in the Middle East. Um, yeah, that was uh, the thing that I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh. yeah, it is stressful. And actually, even if it's no matter what it is, it's yeah. a problem, right? Because yeah. so the director of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, we're going to talk about them a little later, said... Uh, first of all, he said, this is essentially all the data we have of the event. It's going to be virtually impossible to fully identify based off that video. So it's an unresolved case. But the like issue that. with UFOs and active conflict zones, whether they're drones or alien spaceships, is that there's just this high possibility for misidentification. It's going to get shot out of the sky. It's a conflict zone. Everyone's, you know, on a hair trigger. Anything that crosses over, get it out of there. And then actually just this week, I saw that Senator Schumer is pushing legislation that would create a commission that could declassify government documents about like UFOs, extraterrestrial stuff, all the information they have. He wants the government to share what it knows, not just him. There's a group, but he's, and it is possible that doing this would really mitigate conspiracy theories. It's possible. Although people who are convinced, people who really want to believe in a cover-up are always going to believe in a cover-up, even if they have literally all of the information so we're gonna do we're gonna talk about the history of ufos in america and then like high level overview and then we're gonna jump back i'm gonna talk more about one specific event that is relevant to my life 
not because I was alive in 1947, but because of the region. Uh, so I'll people... have to see your birth certificate, but that's that'll be fine. That'll be later. Okay. Well, <laughs> I do have it, so <laughs> you can. I can't make you a copy because it says on there, "Do not copy this." Fine. Um, people have probably observed weird things in the sky since the beginning of humanity, right? Initially, it was things like comets and meteors. Those are your first unexplained aerial phenomena. People are, people, can you imagine being an early human and watching a meteor shower? You 100% think the world is ending, right? Yeah. That's you think you're it. dying. That is it. Um, One of the first, in fact, or maybe even the first use of the term flying saucer was in January 1878. Farmer John Martin used the term to describe the object he saw flying across the sky, and then the local paper printed a story on it. It's worth noting that around this time period, ballooning was getting more popular. Just throwing that out there for no reason. But our cultural interest around UFOs really picked up during and then post-World War II. That was the beginning of the hmm. moment so one example is that in the pacific and european theaters during world war ii both allied and axis pilots saw these round glowing fireballs that w- they called the foo fighters so there you go uh while they were flying possible explanations saint elmo's fire the planet venus hallucinations from oxygen <laughs> deprivation <laughs> and german secret weapons specifically rockets i do i just yeah the sneaking that in there all these like natural phenomena other war actions and then just like they really weren't getting (laughs) enough oxygen in those airplanes guys um in 1946 more than 2,000 reports were collected primarily by the swedish military of unidentified aerial objects over the scandian scandinavian nations they were referred to as russian hail and later called ghost rockets because they thought they Mm. were perhaps Russian tests of captured German rockets. Um, I'm loving these names. But actually, I know. But actually, most were identified later as meteors, natural phenomena like meteors. Boo. You can still call them Foo Fighters and Russian Hail. This doesn't... I just remembered we saw an orb. Yeah. When we were hallucinating, probably. We were... Well, we know what it was eventually, but yeah. we were driving home overnight. We had seen My Favorite Murder live in Wisconsin and were graduate students who were not interested in paying for a hotel in Wisconsin. So we just drove the seven hours back to Mankato right after. And Catherine's staying awake with me in the front seat and we're driving and we're talking and we're like a little punchy at this point, hyped up on caffeine. And in the distance, I start to see this glowing green orb the circle on the side of the road ahead of us and And i was thinking like i can see it can she see it should i say something exactly (laughs) we gonna run into it i can't figure out if i should ask about it and i think eventually i decide that (laughs) it's actually most important as the driver that i ask about it in case she can't see it uh because we need to just pull over and do a switch and she's like yeah i can see it too and so we're like driving on the highway getting closer and closer it was just like a stupid statue that had a big green yeah light was... at the end we well, also saw trip me we also saw a train in the distance that because of the angle of the yeah. track looked like it was coming at us or us so, anyway orbs at night pretty weird we didn't come up with any cool names for it no we didn't we, we really can still do that <laughs> Good, thank you. So then 
This is a big one. On June 24th, 1947, an experienced private pilot named Kenneth Arnold was flying past Mount Rainier. He was on his way to Pendleton, Oregon, actually, from somewhere in Washington. But he had taken a slight detour because recently a Marine aircraft had crashed and there was a reward for finding it. And so he mm-hmm. was hoping that he could just, on his way to ever, wherever he was going, he could just swing over, find that aircraft, and collect the reward. It's during the day. Okay. And he starts to see these bright flashes in the sky. Uh, he said they were, and he keeps watching, and they're getting brighter. First, he thinks it's like a trick of the light reflection. As he watches, he can see that they are coming from nine shiny objects that are flying in a roughly five-mile formation, he says. Um, he described each object as circular about hundred feet across and with no discernible tail. The objects periodically flipped, banked, and weaved side to side, like the tail of a Chinese kite. He's watching them and he starts calculating their speed uh, as they're approaching him and going past. This guy's doing a lot of things while he's what flying in the air. I mean, like maybe when you fly, you get those, those are like extra skills you just develop. But to me, I'm like, (laughs) how, you know, how big they're, you know, how fast they're going. Okay. Keep going. He does know a lot of details. Yes, this is true. He says he calculates their speed at around 1,200 miles an hour, maybe up to 1,700 miles an hour. This is, at this moment in history, more than twice the speed that any known airplane is able to fly or aircraft. He claims that he didn't call the objects flying saucers, but the news stories at the time credit him as calling them saucers or discs or at one point even pie pans um, pie pans not quite the same ring no no Flying it lacks pie a pans. little something doesn't it <laughs> uh so was it him was it the reporters who decided to call it flying saucers it doesn't really matter the term blew up and all around the u.s articles about arnold seeing flying saucers were huge and then for like the rest of 1947 people were seeing flying saucers of everywhere <laughs> He became kind of this media sensation, honestly, much to his own chagrin. He kind of regretted later because it's kind of a sideshow, right? Kind of a spectacle. It is interesting to note that he's, his description wasn't 100% consistent over time. Mm. It changed. Uh, at one point, about a month later, he drew the shape and it looked a little different than what he described. And it looked like something called a flying pancake. Uh, which was a National Air and Space Museum aircraft. It had numbers oh. after it too. I only copied the, or before it, it was like a V1 flying pancake. I only copied the part that I liked. Flying pancake. Now I'm thinking of all the other things you could call flying saucers, flying pizzas. Just like a self-propelled Frisbee. Okay. So he's a liar, right? Well, I mean, I don't think he made it up wholesale. There was no benefit, but... Maybe he was hallucinating due to oxygen deprivation. Apparently that's an issue. I'm going to start dismissing any concerns I don't like by just being like, have you had enough air today? <laughs> I like that. You know, people are like, are you drinking water? Are you water? eating? Like, yeah, are you hungry? I'm just going to be like, have you had enough oxygen this morning? Do you need to go outside? And- <laughs> <laughs> so it caused a big, it was a big story, right? And the other thing it's, you know, we live in this very... We have access to too much information. I'm just going to say it. The 24-hour news cycle is perhaps melting our brains a little bit. But so things become big news and there's saturation. So we miss news stories, but we're also taking in a lot of news stories, right? But for something to become a national 
news thing in the 40s when truly papers and were the and the radio I guess were the way you got your news it's kind of impressive I know there were also less things they were sharing so maybe it was but it just feels like people got real excited about it it is important too that initially people didn't automatically I think we now automatically connect UFOs and aliens right yeah that's they're almost synonymous but that's actually not true. People didn't initially think they were extraterrestrial visitors. They just were unexplained. They were just like, that's so weird. What is that? Over time, it did become associated most strongly with aliens. That's called the extraterrestrial hypothesis is the idea wow. that UFOs are from outer space. Um, and then, so as time went on, it built to that. And in the fifties, there were like three, at least important books that were published. Donald Kehoe's The Flying Saucers Are Real, Gerald Hurd's The Riddle of the Flying Saucers, and Frank Scully's Behind the Flying Saucers. Do you recognize that last name? Is the airplane guy. No, but no. Scully is the character in the X-Files, Scully and Mulder, right? So clearly <gasps> they took his name who was i thinking of i don't know who you were thinking oh sully sully (laughs) sullen who recently landed the plane in the hudson i was like s name here we go (laughs) he would be so old if he published the book in the 50s the true miracle would be not that he landed the plane in the water but that he was able to land a plane at all at the age of like 125 that would be suspicious he'd have to be a time traveler That's right. So he's a time traveler. The plane <laughs> actually breaks the space-time continuum. Um, forget UFOs. He was distracting <laughs> us from his real... Um, but all three of these guys decided UFOs were aliens. They wrote about it like it was a given. And also, they pushed the idea that people were trying to hide the truth from Americans, that there was this conspiracy that we required these whistleblowers to talk about what was actually coming from space. And so those were some important foundational pieces for what it grows into as time goes on. So then, starting in 1948, the Air Force begins investigating UFOs, and they investigate UFOs consistently for about 21 years. The first thing they had was called Project Sign. Uh, And remember, too, that when the Air Force is investigating UFOs, their major concern is not aliens. It is what's flying in American airspace, right? Especially in 1948, right post-World War II. We're going to get into the Cold War before terribly, like, stuff's brewing, right? So there, I don't think, I guess I don't know, I wasn't in any of these investigative projects, but I don't think they're like, oh, I think it's aliens, (laughs) They're like, it's the Russians. Okay. Okay. So, I like that, but that makes me feel better. That they're like, not that's just how all we should that's of- how we should right. <laughs> we should all be approaching it that way. Like, what the fuck is that? Not where did these aliens what do these aliens want? I tend to agree with you, yes. So they first had Project Sign, and they did decide that most of the reports of UFOs were probably fancy Soviet aircraft. Oh. Although some people okay. still suggest that they were spacecraft from other planets. Um, Project Sign lasted for a year. It was replaced what was called by Project Grudge, which was in 1952 replaced by the longest running look into UFOs, Project Blue Book. So, okay, 19- these names are getting out of control. Project Grudge is my, uh, I think, my new memoir title. I don't know. <laughs> Project Grudge, a memoir a life story. <laughs> That's good. I like, you know, 
put it on like a fancy art print. Other people are like talking about how to not let other people live in your brain rent free. And you're just like project grudge. Grudge. Hold them until you die. (laughs) That'll show them. (laughs) I'm going to punish you by being mad about this in my heart until I die. And they're going to be like, who are you? (laughs) Have we met? Um, yeah, so Project Blue Book sounds like they're selling cars, but actually, yeah, from, from 1950, or you're taking, did you have to buy Blue Books to take exams in college? Oh, yeah. We, they used to sell them in our little student union Mercado. They were like a quarter or something really ridiculous. Yeah, so I'd go buy like good. six and then they'd get all mashed. You got um, a lot so of tests to take. One, I was an English major, so they were like all essay tests. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, from 1952 to 1969, the unfortunately named Project Blue Book compiled reports of more than 12,000 sightings or events, each of which was ultimately ultimately classified either as identified, which means a known astronomical, ast- atmospheric, or artificial, which means human-caused phenomenon, or two, unidentified. Thank you. So helpful. Identified and unidentified. What were you doing? <laughs> The category unidentified was approximately 6% of the total. So of 12,000, they really narrowed down a lot of okay. issues. It inc- and that includes cases for which there was what they called insufficient information to make an identification with a known phenomenon. So according to the National Reconnaissance Office, a number of the reports could be explained by the flights of formerly secret reconnaissance planes. So at the time, they couldn't come out and say, it's a U-2. Um, yeah. But it was, right? But probably the people on Project Blue Book didn't know that. But someone knew that. But they're not going to tell you. Mm. 700 reports were classified as... 700 reports? 701 reports were classified as unexplained even after stringent analysis. Um, The UFO records were archived. They're available under the Freedom of Information Act. Names and other personal, like identifying information of witnesses is redacted. It's probably pretty heavily redacted. But if you really want to get into these reports, you can. Didn't you go through all of them? No, but I did read uh, (laughs) not nothing of a different report that we'll get to later. (laughs) Yes, I filed a FOIA request for this podcast (laughs) six months ago before we launched it so that I could read you. Uh, In the 50s, the CIA prompted the U.S. government to have a panel to investigate, basically to look back into Project Blue Book. And so they did. Mm -hmm. They interviewed all the people with Project Blue Book. They ultimately decided the events were made majority explainable, which is what the project had decided, that they didn't cause a serious threat and that they didn't seem to indicate extraterrestrial activity. Part of that report, however, was classified until the late 70s, which helped contribute to conspiracy theories. They're like, it's an alien cover up was not they're they're protecting information but it's other information right uh and then of course interest continued to pick up into the 60s 70s 80s because of or i don't want to confuse causation and correlation corresponding to the space age so during the space race i guess people were just like staring at the sky a lot more and thinking about the moon yeah hey have you ever thought about what's out there Mm mm-hmm Right. And it is vast. And even, you know, we start spend, sending spacecraft up there. If there's something out there, there's no reason that they couldn't, couldn't come, come back this way. way right. Yeah. So people were really into space during that time period. From the 60s to the 90s, it was just part of U.S. pop culture. 
Uh, Barney and Betty Hill in 1961 claimed to be victims of the first alien abduction. Uh, I go super deep into this. There's a lot of information about it, but they were driving home or a middle-aged couple. They saw what looked like a flying saucer. And so they followed it. And this is where you lose me. Okay. I'm I'm really excited. If I'm driving in the middle of like a country road and I see up ahead an object, a big a object, orb, and it's, it's flying away. Well, I did drive towards that, <laughs> but in general, it's like flying away from me. It seems to be floating. It's moving. It's large. Yeah. I'm going to turn around and go the other way. you like 911. Yeah. <laughs> an emergency. <laughs> I'm going to leave, but you should go there. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be there when you get there. Mm-mm. That's but not. You that's should above check my it out, please. <laughs> you should check it out for sure. Absolutely. So they follow it. It stops in front of their car in the middle of the highway. They say, mm. and they stop and they get out. See, white people. Am I right? Just well, knock it off. One of them was white. They were an interracial couple. So actually, I'm gonna oh. have you just walk out just a little bit. They're so brave. I take it back. <laughs> Usually it's the white people in horror movies that go into the basement after they hear a scary sound. I'm sorry. Get out. And they, yeah, but that's just because the horror movie has already killed all the black people. You're not wrong. It's hard to know what they would do since they die immediately, classically, in the genre. Um, Give people the, give people (laughs) of all races the chance to go into the basement when they shouldn't. So um they get out he looks he says he can see eight to 11 humanoid figures looking out through the window and God. then they like they eventually go home but they realize that their memories are fuzzy cl- their clothes are torn they have these sort of memories of being like probed Betty claims to have dreams different pieces come back so they are it's really interesting uh, but it's like its own thing there's huh. all kinds of uh detail and context but they are kind of like the first to put forth that idea of actual alien abduction um i mean we know the aliens were abducting whole crews from the bermuda triangle long before this yeah they're the first to really claim that into them yeah i do yeah it's just i i do keep saying i would never keep going but i think about the orb and then i think about that time we were driving through indiana in the middle of the night and there was a detour and we had to drive through a cornfield and i thought but you wouldn't have followed in like a creepy child into the cornfield you know like we have limits a man dressed as a scarecrow beckoning us into the cornfield also both of those were in a car full of people so i feel like whether that's an illusion or not it makes me feel better uh, okay, so in 1966, 5% of Americans reported to Gallup that they had at some time seen something they thought was a flying saucer. 96% said they had heard or read about flying saucers, and 46% of those people thought they were something real rather than just people's imagination. Okay. I would also just like to say that the fact, again, in 1966, that 96% of people polled had heard or read about flying saucers. It was clearly like in the news in a major way. In 1966, Walter Cronkite did a news special to try and convince people that aliens weren't real. 
Carl Sagan and J. Allen Hynek came on and told him that to this time, there is no valid scientific proof that we have been visited by spaceships. But that's not very fun. It's more fun for people to keep believing in aliens. Uh, Movies came out in the 70s and 80s like Alien. Oh, there you go. Eventually, there was the X-Files TV show. People did interviews where they claimed to have been abducted. Did you have you ever watched the X-Files? A little bit here and there. I tried because I like a show with a lot of episodes. I like, you know, the occasional case of the week procedural type show where I know what's Mm -hmm. predictable. I appreciate that. Enjoy some will they or won't they crime fighting partner tension. I watched like four episodes and I was like, can David Duchovny not act? Or (laughs) could he not act at this point? And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Fair enough. People love the X-Files. I wanted to love the X-Files and I could not do it. My um, Scully and Mulder dynamic of choice is Bones. And I'm not saying it's high art. I'm just saying it works for me for some reason better. So we love it. In December 2017, we got a new round of media attention in those sweet summer pre-pandemic days when oh, the New York Times broke the story of what was called the Secret Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. It was funded from 07 to 2012. They spent $22 million on the program. And then after that story, there was also this series of sensationalized Pentagon UFO videos that were leaked by members of the program who had like become convinced that UFOs were worth investigating. And so that increased mainstream attention to UF stories again in the 2017 In 2021, Harvard astronomer uh, Avi Loeb announced the creation of his Galileo project, which is supposed to use high-tech astronomical equipment to look for evidence of extraterrestrial artifacts in space and maybe within Earth's atmosphere. And this is where I have to say again, let's mind our own business. If If they're out there, like Earth's atmosphere, everything within Earth's atmosphere, that's our business. Going out into space to look for extraterrestrial artifacts? That's Leave a fair alone. That's how you make them mad if they're real. Right. Why are you provoking the aliens? Don't invite them in. We will lose. As a person who doesn't even particularly believe in them, right. I think better safe than sorry. Just leave it to the Independence Day. That's not going to be how <laughs> it really goes. We will die and we will lose. I've always said it's better to be safe and sorry just to cover all our bases. I think that's smart. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just if they're going to come, they're going to come. We don't need to go out and seek them out. There are two government-sponsored programs, NASA's UAP Independent Study Team, and as I mentioned, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Uh, They were charged by Congress to investigate UFO claims more fully. And then also, the government started using the phrase UAP, unexplained aerial phenomenon to try and distance itself from the sensationalism around UFOs. UAP is actually a phrase that's existed since the sixties, but the government was like, this is what we're calling them now because UFO has such a, it's such a trigger now for these. Yeah. Yeah. And then on May 17th, 2022, members of the U.S. House Intelligence Subcommittee on Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence, and Counterproliferation held congressional hearings with top military officials to discuss military reports of UAPs. It was the first public congressional hearing into UFO sightings in over 50 years. The last one had been like right after Project Blue Book. Hmm. 
During that hearing, Pentagon officials testified under oath that the government had not collected materials from any alien landings on Earth. It This was an unclassified uh, meeting. There were a couple of declassified videos that they showed of UAPs, and one of them they had later confirmed was drones. It was a combination of like drones and the way that the lens reflected light oh. made weird things happen. Um and then there was also a classified hearing for Pentagon officials to discuss limitations with recording equipment because they can't, they don't want to, in a public hearing, reveal the limitations of our equipment, right? That's not a super great move. So they did everything they could declassified, then they had a classified meeting uh, to talk about it as well. So in June 2021, I have a couple more surveys. A Pew Research poll found that 51% in the United States, 51%. Thought that UFOs reported by people in the military were likely to be evidence of intelligent life from beyond Earth. That is just so much more confident than I could ever be. I'm not going to say 100% that that's not the case, but to say that they are likely to be evidence of intelligent life from beyond the Earth, that is, I don't know if I've ever been that sure about anything in my entire life. That's like, definitely they're out there. It's a quick way for me to know how stupid we are. 50%. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's... There is, there's certainly a lot of things we don't understand. There's a lot of things at the bottom of the ocean we don't know. I think Bigfoot might be real, which is, <laughs> don't say that around here. They love Bigfoot. I know. I, uh, but, but it's a lot of people. In so August people. 2021, Gallup, with a question not specific to military reports, found that 41% of adults believed some UFOs involve alien spacecraft from other planets. We're hedging our bets there a little bit, right? Some UFOs involve alien spacecraft. The Gallup poll showed 44% of men and 38% of women believed this. Not a huge split. We're pretty even there. But women are smarter. Not necessarily. I don't want to come out and say that everyone who believes <laughs> in the possibility of UFOs is dumb. As a person who just said, I think Bigfoot might be real. I got to tread pretty lightly here, my friend. <laughs> um, and then the average what of 41% in 2021 was up from 33% in a 2019 Gallup poll with the same question, which probably indicates, probably is trending along with the general distrust in the government that yeah. has been, we talked about it with deep fakes too, right? People believe, don't don't know kind of stuff yeah and as we'll see as we've seen a little bit one of the complicating factors is that the government is of course hiding stuff because related it's the government. to national security that's part of it babes but it means that sometimes yeah their answers to what something is are weird and so people yeah. are like it must be aliens because that didn't make any no. sense at all and certainly there are people see strange things people there are these videos that are weird. Do you believe in ghosts? No. I don't really you? believe in ghosts either. No. Okay, I actually great. believe in aliens more than ghosts. I think aliens are more sure. than ghosts. Oh, yeah. I don't it's know if I ever thought about We're... that, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I like the chances that. of intelligent life somewhere in the galaxy love it more sure. of a chance than a For ghost. Sure. I would agree. But I do love a ghost story. They're very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the two government offices that do research. So the UAP is a panel of 16 experts. They're, it's NASA's uh, team, an independent study team. 16 experts assembled in October 2022 by NASA, chaired by 
astronomer David Spurgle to, and their goal is actually to recommend a roadmap for UAP data analysis by NASA and other organizations. So they're trying to figure out how to continue evaluating the reports and the data. The other is the, uh, I lost it. Oh, the goal is to identify what data exists, what else they should try to collect and how to best analyze it. The other is the AARO, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Um, which is within the office of the Secretary of Defense. It was formed in July of 2022. It replaced the previous organization to investigate unidentified objects that may compromise the airspace of the U.S. So again, it's not specific to alien spacecraft. It's just shooting down Chinese spy balloons. Perfect. That's the way I like it. But I want the alien truthers on my side. (laughs) So I... You know, a lot of people believe a lot of things as long as you're not letting it control your life. Sure. That's fine. Um, We're actually not going to talk about Area 51 much. Okay. But quickly, it's an Air Force uh, installation in Nevada where a lot of speculation and conspiracy theories have coalesced around. Lots of people claim UFO sightings. People who claim to work there have said the government is examining an alien spacecraft. The U.S. government, again, leading to the secrecy around it, didn't even acknowledge its existence until 2013. And then a FOIA request resulted in a redacted document that talked about the history of the spy plane that was being tested in Area 51. It's probably the reason for a lot of the UFO sightings. But they can't come out and be like, don't freak out. We're testing an advanced spy plane. So I know. Do you think the Air Force is, like, really pissed at that, like, one employee that's like, yeah, it's aliens, like, is this just a disgruntled employee or are they like... <laughs> sometimes. I think sometimes, yes. And so probably, yes. Like, God damn it, David. Like, just <laughs> keep your mouth shut. They were like, you are testing the plane with me. What are you doing, man? You know, we built that. You and me. We engineered that. It's the aliens. So I know Area 51 is like a greatest hit kind of classic hub for discussion around alien activity but i grew up three hours away from roswell new mexico which is colloquially the ufo capital of the world they have a ufo museum they have a ufo fest so let's talk about why roswell is the ufo capital of the world the roswell what's known as the roswell incident which sounds so official serious One thing I want you to keep in mind about New Mexico is we have a lot of military bases and research labs. So the Manhattan uh, Project was housed at Los Alamos. Oppenheimer was the director of Los Alamos Labs. And the first nuclear detonation was conducted in Alamogordo. So I only say all of this to point out, just remember some weird and secret government stuff has happened here historically, particularly around World War II and the Cold War. Okay. So we're going to go back to 1947. So remember, this is the same year that Kenneth Arnold saw his flying saucers. So people are, they have flying saucers. It's on the brain. On the brain. On a ranch outside of Roswell, rancher Mac Brazel, he finds this collection of debris. It's metal sticks. It's chunks of plastic. It's foil reflectors. It's this heavy paper-like material. He described it as a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tin foil, and rather tough paper and sticks. He couldn't figure out what it was. He didn't know what it was. So initially, they actually just like moved it out of the way. And then he he lives on a farm. He doesn't have a phone. He's kind of isolated. So a couple of days later, he goes into town. He's at 
the bar and he finds out about flying saucers. He had never heard of, he had not yet heard about flying saucers. He finds out about them and he thinks, I wonder if that's what I found on my farm. Just trying to make meaning. So he contacts the sheriff and the sheriff calls Roswell Army Air Force Base. Um, U.S. Army Air Force is the predecessor to U.S. Air Force. And the base comes in and they collect all the stuff. That's it, right? No big deal. However, a few days later, this is probably the 4th of July, on July 8th, the headline in the Roswell Daily Record says, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. And that's the picture I just sent you is of the newspaper headline. So there it is. In the paper, in Roswell's paper of record, they call it a flying saucer. The article actually says, the intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that the field has come into the possession of a flying saucer. A day later, they clarify that it was a, quote, weather balloon. <laughs> but first of all, it's too late. And second of all, yeah. everyone who saw it or saw pictures of it could tell it was not a regular weather balloon. It wasn't. There was a lot more going on. So yeah. people start to... With a lack of information, people start to fill in the gaps themselves. Like I said, we're already, we're in the middle of this flying saucer craze this summer of 1947. It's not specifically related to aliens yet. They're just these mysterious flying saucers. There were a lot more sightings in 1947, and the official Roswell story is unsatisfactory, right? People are like, that's clearly not a weather balloon. However, wasn't a huge deal. It didn't become a big thing until the 1970s. Okay. Okay. So in the 70s, Stanton Friedman, a ufologist. A ufologist? Yes. And I can't figure out. I think it's got to be ufologist. It only has one O because you want it to be UFOologist. Yeah. But it's borrowing. It shares the O. So it's got to be ufologist. Maybe it's an ufologist. So they just study ufologist. UFOs? Yep. He comes to, his name is Stanton Friedman, but there are actually a number of ufologists. He interviews Major Jesse Marcel, who was an Army officer, an Air Force officer, who had been part of the cleanup that day in 1947. And Marcel says the weather balloon story was a cover-up, and he thinks it was extraterrestrial. This one Air Force guy? Yeah, who helped clean it up. God damn it, Dave. We've talked about this. (laughs) And although I'm going to say that he denied ever saying there were alien bodies. We're going to get into the alien bodies in a minute, but he was not part of that. So Friedman conducts this interview with Marcel. And at this point, ufologists start going to Roswell. Roswell, they start coming in. They start talking to people who claim to have connections with whatever was going on there. And then in 1980, a book is published called The Roswell Incident by Charles Berlitz and William Moore about Marcel's story. Do you know what else they wrote about? No. One of the things they wrote about was the Bermuda Triangle. (gasps) I mean, that checks out. So they have a a history of blowing up these Uh, tales, right? This really sort of blew up Roswell's spot, right? So people are coming now. This book was the first one that talked about these really controversial stories that they got like third hand about a group of archaeological students finding alien bodies. So this begins to plant the idea that not only... Uh, is Roswell hiding a spacecraft? They're actually hiding and experimenting on and studying alien bodies. And this is where even Major Marcel was like, whoa. 
I would like to be excluded from this narrative. This uh-huh. portion of this narrative, not for me. Thank you. <laughs> and then, so at this point, many alleged firsthand accounts of the Roswell incident. There's a lot of um, conflating. They're pulling various things that happened in the region too. So other people are actually talking about things that happened in Aztec, New Mexico, where there was a hoax flying saucer crash that gained notoriety after it was promoted by Frank Scully in his articles in his 1950 book. So as like in the eighties, as they're trying to piece this narrative together, they're taking a little bit from that 1947 crash and a little bit from this thing that happened in Aztec and a little bit from something else that I'll tell you later and building it into this much more interesting story. Yeah. This is exactly like Bermuda triangle. Yes. As time went on, there were even competing versions of the Roswell incident. So the, that book in 1980 was the first one, but other people publish additional books as time goes on, there's claims of an alien autopsy. There's a lot of talk. So then in 1984, the Air Force responds. Uh, because at this point, Representative Stephen Skiff wants information on the UFOs. And so the USAF launches an investigation. And later, Representative Skiff dies of cancer. And some people are like, I don't know if they think the government gave him cancer or the aliens killed him unclear someone but it's all part of the conspiracy right <laughs> so in 1994 the roswell report fact versus fiction in the new mexico desert is released by uh, headquarters united states air force and it collects all the information and then in 1997 the roswell report case closed was released as an additional piece uh they look at all the paperwork They evaluate witnesses, statements of people who claim to have seen aliens or spacecraft, and they essentially try to explain what they actually saw. So they have these witness statements and they say they saw X, Y, Z, and then they say, here's what we think is the explanation for that. Here's what we think is the reason for that based on what was happening in Roswell at that time, because the U.S. Army Air Force did recover something from the site. It wasn't a weather balloon, but it also wasn't an alien spacecraft and a bunch of alien corpses. It was, in fact, debris from an Army Air Force's balloon-borne project codenamed Mogul. What do you think about Mogul as a codename? I like Mogul. Mogul's, like, like, interesting. Like, oh, there's, like, intrigue. So let's rank our codenames. We have Sign, (laughs) uh, Mogul, Grudge, and Blue Book. I mean, it's between. It probably goes Mogul first, then Grudge. I'm impressed that Mogul overtook Grudge. Mogul's very, like... I like it. And then I, I gotta know. say Blue Book because Sign is just so nothing. Although, you know, Sign... I don't know. I don't know. Blue Book doesn't make a lot of sense to me, so... No. Uh, so Mogul was an experimental attempt to acoustically detect suspected Soviet nuclear weapon explosions and ballistic missile launches. It used acoustical sensors, radar reflecting targets, and other devices that were attached to a train of weather balloons over 600 feet long. So there were weather balloon components to the aircraft. It was new technology. It was experimental. It was actively, they were trying to do counterintelligence and surveillance on Soviet uh, weapons. And so it wasn't publicly known and they weren't going to come out and tell people that that's what they had recovered when it crashed. Claims that the that they recovered a flying disc were based mostly on the people misidentified the radar targets, which were an element of the weather equipment that was used on the balloon train. They saw the radar targets. They thought, that's the flying saucer. 
So they found the oddly constructed radar targets during the height of the U.S. flying saucer wave. And uh, he brought the remnants to the sheriff after he learned about flying saucers. So some initial confusion at the Roswell Army Airfield, but then the they didn't even know at first. They were like, what is this? But they identified it as a standard radar target eventually, but it was too late. It was out of control mm. at that point, right? So this report the in the 90s found that the reports of military units that always seemed to arrive shortly after the crash of a flying saucer to retrieve the saucer and crew were actually accurate descriptions of Air Force personnel engaged in anthropomorphic dummy recovery operations. So let's talk about alien corpses now. Okay, good. One of the things people point to at Roswell as unique from being just ufo crashes or sightings sort of traditionally is they claimed there were alien bodies there like i said that these claims actually didn't come up until the 70s about 20 years later but then it gets conflated people are like it happened in 1947 it crashed all the aliens fell out dead and then we took their bodies and did experiments on them i guess and the rancher didn't see the bodies <laughs> i don't know yeah so what's interesting is that actually the events that led people to, we can point to why people claimed these things. They actually happened 10 years after Project Mogul. That's where we have the completion by the conspiracy theorists. They were not part of that Project Mogul thing. But what actually happened is that these aliens were test dummies that they put in high altitude balloons for research in the 50s. They were human-like mm -hmm. dummies. And the goal was to test ways for pilots to survive falls from high altitudes. They were bandaged, featureless dummies with latex skin and aluminum bones, dummies that looked an awful lot like space aliens, and they they dropped them. They fell from the sky onto the ground, and then the military vehicles would descend really quickly to collect the bodies, right? And uh, so did you see in the picture the aliens? Uh-huh. They're, I mean, the bodies are pretty weird, right? If you yeah. saw this falling through the air, and then by the time you <laughs> got to where you were pretty sure they had landed, there was a whole convoy of military vehicles swooping in <laughs> to collect them. And no one would tell you. Yeah, that's why. weird. You would be like, something is happening. Yeah, that's fair. I definitely would. It's, yes, this one is. You can really like, understand can you imagine? How that even if they were like, no, 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 here's my job. I take these weird dummies with <laughs> aluminum bones and I just drop them to see what happens. Well, like, just to see if. <laughs> they weren't telling anyone, even though that's what it was, right? That's why they like, yeah. swooped in to get the body yeah. swooped out. And so people were like, what? The government knows and think people or humanoid creatures are falling from the sky because they look human, but not human, right? Yeah. They look humanoid, but they also don't look like you're because they have latex skin. So gross. They also yeah. don't look like crash test dummies, really. No. Especially from they're afar, if they're just hurtling through the falling air. Falling to the <laughs> from the sky. Um, and then there were also reports that there were bodies at the Roswell Army Airfield Hospital, air, alien bodies. And this is probably because in 1956 uh, and then in 1959, there were an aircraft and a manned balloon mishap, respectively, where Air Force members were killed or injured. And so aircraft-related injury, there are bodies at the Army Hospital, and when in conjunction with the Project Mogul and the dummies being thrown from planes, people were like, they have alien bodies at the hospital, at the oh field hospital. To add to this, 
when uh, when the Roswell Air Force members came and collected Project Mogul, they didn't know what the material was. It's not just that they had to come up with a cover-up. It was experimental, mostly secret project. So the weather balloon story, they didn't actually know what they had collected. They just knew, I mean, they probably knew it wasn't an alien spacecraft. Maybe not. Um, and no one at the Project in Alamogordo was like, we can tell you what that is, obviously. Lieutenant James McAndrew, who's an Air Force declassification officer, which feels like a cool job. I don't know. He worked on these reports, these Roswell reports. And he said, when the civilians and personnel from Roswell AAF stumbled upon the highly classified project and collected the debris, no one at Roswell had a need to know about information concerning Mogul. This fact, along with the initial misidentification and subsequent rumors of the capture of a flying disc, ultimately left many people with unanswered questions that have endured to this day. And the problem is once that takes root, it doesn't matter what they release. People are going to continue to believe it's a cover-up because there was yeah. a cover-up, just not yeah. of what you thought it was, right? So it's complicated. Also, just as kind of a side note, um, kind of related, in 1995, a black and white video claiming it was an alien autopsy was released. It's this grainy black and white footage. Eventually, there was a special with uh, Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek doing this is it real or not video people were watching this like the Zapruder film I mean it was like a big deal and then in 2006 the creator admitted it was fake but he says he continued to claim it was inspired by genuine footage that's now lost or degraded he saw the footage of an alien mm -hmm. autopsy and reenacted it for science mm -hmm. well, um, yeah that checks so that out no further questions thank you that makes total sense but it's it was still in the time of uh the alien fervor mm. so how afraid do we really need to be i don't know very i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no one knows because it depends on what you believe you know generally after careful investigation most ufos can be identified as natural phenomena aircraft balloons or hoaxes um but not always Part of the conspiracy theories are born from the fact that it's often more advanced technology that can't be publicly explained for national security reasons. So they're right that something is not, we're not getting full story. There is weird stuff out there sometimes also. So most of it can be explained, but there is weird stuff out there. A report from the ODNI, the Office of the Directorate of National Intelligence, that was issued in January of this year cited 366 additional sightings, mostly things like balloons, drones, birds, or airborne clutter, which... What the heck is airborne, airborne clutter? clutter? But 171 of these have remained officially unexplained. Some of these uncharacteristic, uncharacterized UAP appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities and require further analysis, the office said in the report. So even the office is like, it's weird, right? But the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, Ronald Moultrie, told reporters in December that he had not seen anything in the files to indicate intelligent alien life. I've not seen anything in those holdings to date that would suggest that there has been an alien visitation, an alien crash, or anything like that, which is exactly what they want you to believe, exactly what they would tell you if they were hiding aliens, just saying. Uh, in 2021, former President Obama said, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there are there's footage and records of objects in the sky that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how they moved, their trajectory. And so, you know, I think that people still take seriously trying to investigate and figure out what that is. So- do I believe in a lot of alien spacecraft visits? No. Do I believe it's important to monitor our airspace? Yes, because frankly, I think the scarier things is adversaries 
earth adversaries flying things into our airspace but also it's important to continue investigating and exploring i'm not going to do it but you all go to town and just don't freak out don't believe the first news headline you read about saucers and i think we're going to be okay great there you go wow what's on your mind this week (laughs) uh so i'm babysitting this dog and house sitting really because as my grandma says i'm too nice and i really need to cut that out so it's the librarian at our school they his daughters have watched my cats like three times now and so he was like sure you could watch our dog and stay at our house two times this short short summer and I was like well what other how do you say no so I've been watching her and I brought the cats over originally and I kept them in the room that I was staying in and that caused a lot of anxiety because like Poe has been pretty, he's been around dogs. Like, he knows how to be around them. Belle has not as much, and so she's still a little bit more scared. The first day I let them out of their room, like, the dog is pretty chill. She, like, didn't. She's very good. She didn't really care. But then Belle got scared and hissed and swiped at the dog, and the dog fucking lost it. She, like, took off after Belle, barking at her. I didn't know what she was going to, like, what would she do if she reached Belle? I'm, like, screaming, (laughs) trying to catch the dog. So that was fun. And then just, like, a lot of just, like, not, you know, I'm in a strange house. Sleeping is not great. And I'm also stuck with the cats. So, like, first night, you hear new sounds. You're, like, is it a murderer? Then I convinced myself the stupid stove says cooktop on, like that light is on. And it turned on at probably like three o'clock the first day that I was here. And I didn't text him at first because it wasn't hot. But then, of course, it's like midnight. And I'm like, let's start worrying about that again. I think it's going to burn down the house, probably. So then that was the first night. And then it was just like the cat's keeping me up. And then just yeah taking this dog on walks like she hates other dogs so and she injured her owner's shoulder she had to get shoulder surgery because of the dog like pulled her to the ground so it's just like a lot of that stuff so the cats are now at home they went home early because i couldn't take it anymore because poe did get out he went out again into the basement immediately knocked over two plants then that night i decided to freak out and think because they're toxic so i was like he must have eaten some of it he's because it was like you know in the middle of the night and i was like he's not up and about trying to keep me awake there's gotta be something wrong he's not just sleeping because he's tired he must be sick so it's like 4 a.m and i'm searching like what are the symptoms of a cat eating a snake snake plant it's been fun but I'm done today. Yeah, I have how many more hours? Like eight? I I don't know. I get to leave at nine. So like ten. <laughs> Sorry, we're almost done. You asked. <laughs> it's been a very long week. What about you? Well, 
they arrested this guy that they think is a serial killer in Long Island. If they could catch <laughs> him, they could definitely catch me. No, I'm kidding. That's not it. Just the reminder that there are serial killers. You know, active serial killers who, yeah. yes, they caught him, but also he killed the first person that he's accused of killing like 13 years ago. So kind of yeah they do feel like very much like oh that's like in the 70s and 80s not like now yeah yeah but did you read about how like they caught him like so cool yeah they were doing like long-term surveillance they were watching him interact with sex workers and then then they genealogy and the pizza box the crust in the pizza box like very good very cool very good can't wait for that podcast to come out so there's gotta be some (laughs) That's good, but I never like to be reminded that there's just people sure. killing for sport. So what's bringing you joy? Um, I've been trying to like find, you know, places of joy and the, the house is also like really fucking cluttered and it gives me anxiety. Like, oh my God, you open. And I know like, look, not everyone has to be as organized as me. And also I am known to like leave dishes in the sink. That is a flaw of mine. But the amount of chaos in this house is just like setting me on edge. And then there's also just like, it just smells like dog. And then like, also cleanliness is a thing. I don't want to even show you their like crisper drawer in their fridge. Anyway, that's making me also anxious so i've been like spending mornings on their deck they got like a nice lawn and i've just been like reading and i finished a whole book in three days which i haven't done in forever nice so that's been really nice that's yeah cool. what about you yeah so two things one is on the fourth of july this little orange cat showed up at my parents on my parents porch she was like really skinny so they thought maybe she but she was clearly domesticated at some point so they thought maybe she had got run away or family moved and she'd been on the street for a while whatever she really wanted to come inside and my parents were like first of all we have other cats who would be mad but also if she's sick they didn't want her to give the cats anything so they set up blank uh they put a little house out there and food and they were like we're gonna see what happens so they had posted online to see if anyone wanted her or if anyone knew who she belonged to so anyway the next day they take her to the vet and she has microchipped and it turns out she actually just lives two doors down from my parents her name is nala she's so skinny because she's 18 years old so she probably has a thyroid issue like cats just kind of waste away when they're that old and so for the last week she just comes and chills on my parents patio sometimes um her owner actually came and took her back the other day because she'd been at my parents house for like two days just on the, i'm like it's so hot outside go back to your air-conditioned house but she loves the dogs and so at first Aww. my parents dog is a aussie doodle and so she's a herd dog and she knows cats don't belong outside so for the first few days she was like sitting at the front door because she wanted to herd the cat into the house but now she's learned like that cat belongs on the porch these cats belong in the house so she'll go out check in with the cat and then come back in like she's fine now the cat loves the dogs loves the people tries to run into the house we have to like nudge the cat out of the way and run into our house because she's always trying to get in she when you come out in the morning or when you arrive my dad says when he goes out in the morning if she's there she's she goes meow and he says you have a home you could go to you know she's <laughs> like meow 
um, when you leave, she like walks you out to the oh. edge of the driveway and stands and meows at you while you get in your car. So oh. she's pretty hilarious. Uh, she's so cute. It's pretty delightful. And then on the gotta always come back to that tv side of things which is that oh my god i forgot my tv ones oh you can come back in a minute the after party is back for season two it's an apple tv show where uh it's a murder mystery and every week a different person tells the story and it's a different genre of movie and so the second episode of season two is a jane austen style movie and it's just delightfully well done some really good it's really more specifically pride and prejudice references to the films um it's really fun because it's like the way they play with the anachronisms of like they're all in regency garb but also he's wearing a smart watch and getting on a helicopter because they're still telling the modern day story (laughs) is really good uh sam richardson is in it he's great tiffany haddish zoe chow and the other cool thing is that they're different settings so they get a bunch of like fun famous people in each season so this year yeah. john cho and ken jong and oh, love elizabeth john perkins and zach woods anyway after yeah party, i forgot the other thing i was doing i will finally watch the bear i watched season so one of good. the bear this week now i'm watching season two i finally watched season one of the bear do you under like okay because it was like episode one and i was like i get why people are sexually attracted to this man did oh, you also feel that way yeah yeah okay yeah. great perfect yeah, yeah. he does have anger issues and i'm like this is problematic but yes chef. <laughs> and then i and then what just came out was um michelle buto's new show survival of the thickest which is amazing i've already watched it i watched it in one day what is that on on netflix it's so good it's based on her book but she's just kind of like oh i just love her so much nice. it's so funny nice i'll have to watch yeah. Do you know what else is back? What? What we do in the shadows. <laughs> I know. So, well, it's a good TV stay. It's too hot to go out. Stay inside it's and watch to go the out. bear. If you, unless you are like the millions of people who just like watched it when it came out and now you can't watch it. Watch the after party. So many good things. <laughs> All right. The world can be a scary place. Don't forget to take a deep breath. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore anxiety pod. We'll talk to you next week.